Hi, everyone. Welcome to Name Drop San Diego. We are a podcast about the fascinating people in, around, and from San Diego. I'm your host, Christy Totten, and my guest today is Mayor Alejandra Sotelo Solis. Mayor Sotelo Solis is the first ever Latina to hold the position. She's a third generation resident of National City and a proud poli sci graduate of UC San Diego. Plus, she has really amazing style. We'll talk about that as well as family, life philosophy, and I totally wasn't expecting this, but zombie apocalypse escape plans. Here's our interview. Well, Mayor Sotelo Solis, thank you so much for joining me here on Name Drop San Diego. Um, you know, you have such an incredible life story. You are the first Latina mayor of National City. You're a third generation resident of National City. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, you know, like when you tell your own life story, you know, what are the important notes to hit? Uh, the fact that my community helped raise me, um, coming from a divorced household, um, gave me more resilience. Um, raising, you know, some fierce little girls who uh, help uh, shape my policy, my core values every day, um, really help guide me daily. Having a partner who loves me and who supports me and believes in in our mission of giving back as public servants and and truly having a family both um, biological um, but communal and friends that you know who have been around and just want to see best for me and also for our community are there every step of the way and you know to have a higher power that guides me um, and, and, you know, provides me that balance daily is something that for me, you know, I'm, I'm in awe of every day that I'm in this role, but also too, I'm ready to t- conquer and take over. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, you know, in my researching of you, you often mention your three daughters and your supportive husband. I mean, you're in a policy position. You're shaping the way that our lives unfold, you know, in this region. How do you how do you incorporate that? You know, like how do you how do you incorporate your family into your decision making as you do your job? Well, when we talk about just the basics, you know, how is the playground structure looking? Is it safe? You know, if I were to take my kids there, would I, one, would I want to take my kids there? And two, um, how would other families feel having this quality of service or facility um, be part of their daily, you know, lives? Uh, so it's really reflective of that. Um, but it's also, too, just really thinking about the future. I know that um, being third generation, my grandparents and my mom and uh, now us and my daughters have really taken on so many little challenges uh, from zoning on the west side, which tried to eliminate the residential zone and put commercial next to industrial, next to educational, next to residential, and them not knowing where to go to voice their concerns empowered me to say, oh no, we are not gonna continue that. And for me, that was the initial onset of my activism with the West Side specific area plan. And now that is the cornerstone of how we are improving the West Side of National City, where I grew up, where I can show my girls, look, this is where Abuela's house is, my mom's mom, my Abuela's house is at. But this is how we can improve it. When you're talking about walkability, 
uh, when we're talking about food deserts and we needing to have market makeovers to have fresh fruit and vegetables at the front of the store versus the back of the store with the liquor and the, you know, um, other junk food. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, being able to show and demonstrate to them um, that, you know, the decisions that mom makes in the meetings that she's in the entire day or, you know, portion of the day really make an impact. And they also too, um, like for instance, um, there's a new policy that uh, the CDC has now changed with classroom setups. They no longer have to have the partitions. And so, you know, my oldest asked me, so are you gonna change that policy? Are you gonna talk to somebody about <laughs> bringing the partitions back? Cause I said, I wanted to keep it. I needed to talk to my mom. Um, and, you know, knowing that they know that I'm, I fully vet things and I'm like, okay, I talk to our medical professionals. I say, hey, this is what I heard, you know, and if somebody asks me, I want to give them the best answer possible. So even kind of being asked by my own daughters, hey, is this, is this kosher? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So it's, it's not stopped from the constituents uh, all the way to the babes at home. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad they feel empowered by that too. Um, well, I know that you went to UCSD and studied politics, but how did you make your way into the position you have now? Uh, well, I did study political science, right? Go figure. I, I knew, you know, early on in my adolescence that I wanted to be the mayor. I announced, I shared with you in the fifth grade that this is what I wanted to do. Um, but growing up, four blocks away from here, where my grandma's house, my abuela's house is at, and seeing again this facility, this white building where decisions were being made and I knew something was happening, but I didn't know what exactly. And they weren't asking me, you know, as my daughters were like, well, what about this? And what about that? I didn't have that outlet. I just knew stuff was happening. And so it kind of piqued my curiosity and that's how I, I created my, you know, my campaign of I was gonna be the mayor. And fast forward, my fifth grade teacher, when I, you know, announced in that class, he was the one who swore me in. Um, you know, when I became mayor of National City, Mr. Sevilla, and it was really coming full circle, but also to kind of to that first point, my community helped raise me, and they're going to continue to support and challenge me on all levels. Um, but I think the the support part is, I think, the important. Um, aspect and you know just being able to you know say I'm still learning regardless of what age you are however many years in office you've been in and how many offices you've held because I was a commissioner for my city at 18 I was um, Miss National City at 17 and a half <laughs> I was uh, so in crown and banner I was representing our community but I was also too an athlete. I was first team all Metro, you know, my sophomore year in softball. I was a coach of Little League Baseball here at Kimball Park. So it's like really recognizing that leadership isn't always about the elected role, but it's learning how to be flexible and empower others and fundamentals like in sports. You put your glove on, you put your cleats on, you learn how to catch the ball, you learn how to you know, bring the ball up to your belly when you're fielding a ground ball. And it's the fundamentals that also too, with a team, you're part of something bigger. It's not just you. 
And yes, you can individually hit the ball, but if you don't have somebody else to score on the diamond, you know, using the baseball or softball analogy, you, you can only do so much and you can only score one run. But if you have uh, people on base, you can start scoring quite a bit more. And so um, it really is about all of those elements. And um, so, you know, just being all of that and doing the Coral Fellowship in Public Policy post, um, post graduate work um, in Los Angeles, having worked for two state assembly members at 25, was a, I was a district director uh, for one of our local assembly members. And, you know, having responsibility um, as a staffer to be able to be the elected official when the elected official is in Sacramento and being able to represent or do ribbon cuttings on behalf of your member, help push, you know, the policies that he or she, and I work for two women, so that she was pushing up in Sacramento, have all been so powerful um, and really, um, you know, helping to build that um, foundation. Do you aspire to higher office? Do you think you'll ever run for a state federal position, maybe for president? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm giggling um, uh, because I, you know, I want to be the best mayor. And I, and somebody said, you are, I am doing my best right now. And, you know, if, if it's in the cards, I, I do see potentially, you know, something in higher office, but, you know, all in due time, I think right now, we are still in the middle of a pandemic for our last conversation. You know, there's so many things that are happening and moving parts and infrastructure that needs to get built. And um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what the, what the cards have in store. But I have to tell you one day I, I walk into um, my daughter's room and one is crying and the other one was like, well, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, whoa, what's happening? And she says, my, the younger one says, oh, uh, Excelli stole my dream. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> well, she said, well, Excelli, because she's older, she's going to be the president. And now I'm not going to be the president first. And now I have to be, you know, the president second. And I said, mom, you can still be the president. What about you be the vice president? And she's like, oh yeah, huh? So they compromise. We got a president and a vice president ticket here. Um, but again, it's like to for them to have that much emotional commitment already as little girls to say, I want to be the first. Because again, she was upset. I want to be the first Latina mayor or Latina president. And she's like, but she wants to do it first. She stole my dream. And it's because, <laughs> you know, and, and it's just those little things that to know that my children and there's subsequent other children who may hear my story or who see themselves reflected in me by wearing this braid by wearing glasses by having you know golden color skin uh, by being five two not having per you know perfect you know uh, i don't know whatever and i think um and saying my name alejandra and not Ali or Alejandra or but saying this is who I am and if that inspires others to see themselves in me and see themselves in this role then by all means I want to make sure that my two hands bring up two more and those two hands bring up two more and those two hands bring up more uh, 
because I'll be the first, but I'll be damned if I'm the last. What is something that you're, you're, you know, proud to lead on? Like just some, you know, a policy priority or a project that you just think, look, National City is doing it best. Well, um, I would say within the last three years, um, there's been a number of things that through the tenure, um, through my tenure, just really having that one positive outlook, just getting people motivated to say, hey, let's look at National City differently. Let's consider what we've thought of it in the past and what it can be for the future. Uh, without gentrifying, we want revitalization without gentrification. We want people who are here to thrive and, and, and really um, have that upward independence. Um, and I think that writing the narrative, again, being from the community and sharing the story and the intimacy that is you know, being third generation we can knock on the door and say, oh, that's so-and-so's cousin, or oh, I went to school with this person, or oh, that's so-and-so's grandma. And literally, you can see it here. We, I don't know that there's that type of uh, consistency or familial ties in other communities. And that's what others have told us about National City. So I think as we look at you know things that I'm proud of, um, it's that, uh, taking it kind of to the next level, uh, but also, you know, small town, uh, feel big city attitude. Uh, and then being able to say that in National City, because we are a smaller community, 63,000, you know, flanked by city of San Diego to the north, Chula Vista to the south, we do have um, great projects in, in store. And, um, you know, with COVID-19, we were at the forefront. We were the first community to mandate face coverings. We were at the forefront with our South Bay mayors to ask for more testing, to get more treatment down here, uh, to really push our educational institutions to have more access to the vaccines. And so it's being okay with being out front, but also to being able to take a step back and you know, find that, that balance. As I'm also too, you know, carrying regional leadership. I'm a second vice chair for Sandag, vice chair of MTS and vice chair of our Sweetwater Authority. So those roles um, just popping in when, you know, the chair can't be there. I facilitate meetings at those regional levels where we're talking millions and sometimes billions of dollars that would come into our community. And even here, uh, working with our team, you know, city staff, but even my team of my city council so that we can find cohesion and we can find topics that are good and you know people wanna hear about. Um, and again, help continue to write the narrative of, of a very positive community. Because if you don't know National City like I do, you may only see the bleeding headlines. You may only see the, you know, the, the, the things that may not paint the best picture. And so it's my job, you know, to go on these circuits, you know, to have the opportunity to share um, and, and, you know, kind of rewrite that story. Um, so I would say the narrative, um, you know, having those leadership roles. And I would say, lastly, one of the big projects that we unanimously passed uh, here in National City, we, we are working towards the age friendly initiatives through the World Health Organization and AARP. 
So uh, through that capacity, we are going to have um, several housing, affordable housing units, multi and intergenerational built in two different sites right here up the street from City Hall. It's going to have a new PACE center. So it's a, a center for the elderly and it's an activity space, but it's also going to have state-of-the-art medical, x-ray, dental, mental health facilities. Wow. And it is going to be a hub for our aging population. So it's like being able to use and see, again, this spot right now to bring about good policy, to help our elders. But selfishly, we eventually will be in that position. So why not use this now to benefit the existing elders, but to make sure that our communities meet the needs of our growing um, elder adult population. And it's right around the corner. I mean, I'm 42, so, you know, 25 years from now, you know, I'm gonna, you know, who knows? Uh, but, but I think it's, it's, it's thinking, you know, how would this affect our initial, you know, our families? And when we um, get to uh, doing some groundbreaking, it's gonna be phenomenal. And then I would say one last one, because I, I guess I am quite, quite proud of a couple projects. Um, the UC San Diego uh, extensions, they're now the division of extended studies. We actually created a hub here in National City, uh, the first hub, I guess, south of the eight um, that's been created. Um, and basically, right now it's virtual because we signed a letter January 2020 and then, you know, pandemic hits, but <laughs> everything went virtual. So we've been able to do the Sally Ride um, uh, Summer Institute virtually. We've been able to partner with, uh, and I say we, through the city, the library. We've been facilitating a lot of the discussions, but we've strengthened partnership with, again, UC San Diego um, Division of Extended Studies with our national school district. And since we've got 10 elementary schools that feed into two middle schools that feed into one high school, it's basically we're setting the foundation um, for UC San Diego to be potential institution for higher education. And for their parents, this new partnership with National School District, it's a parent university. So it's not only giving them the skills to talk about better studies for their child, but it's also to preparing them if they would like to go back to school. If they want to learn more about SATs, maybe they have one in elementary school and one in high school. You know, so it's, it's really engaging and empowering the parent. Um, so, you know, the, that partnership, what initially started as a conversation, you know, kind of in passing has really become, uh, you know, a, a, a cornerstone of how we can empower our community and, you know, kind of coming full circle through MTS and Sandag, we have the Mid-Coast Trolley that goes from San Isidro, passes through National City and goes to UC San Diego. So look at this. We literally can take a trolley from National City to UC San Diego in 20 minutes, get there, not have to worry. Free Wi-Fi, we're working on that. Free Wi-Fi, do your homework, catch up on your social media networks and feel and, and go to a world-renowned institution or if they are veterans, go to the VA hospital. 
So lots of things that I talked about when I was a student at UCSD at Pepper Canyon Apartments, where now one of the stops is at. Uh, and hearing, yeah, there's going to be a, a trolley from the South Bay to being able to vote on it, to talk about funding. Now my kids can go on it. <laughs> yeah. The programs that I'm instituting through the hub. Really, it, again, it's just, it's the stars aligning and mm -hmm. being able to just show that, look, when you think it and you dream it, you know, it takes persistence, but you can be part of it. Well, you know, something that strikes me about you is you're so smart, you're so hyper competent, and you're so driven, but you're also open to learning, you know, and I think that like you've really shown that on, for example, the cruising issue, you know, the cruising ban. And so I'm wondering, you know, in your career, has there been anything that has really humbled you, you know, something that happened, you're like, oh, I didn't know this, or I was wrong, or, you know, like just something that has has been humbling. I think every day, if you grow up the oldest of five um, <laughs> with siblings, if anybody has siblings, it's always a humbling, uh, humbling yeah. place because they will always put you in your spot. But I think, you know, just being open to saying, wow, I did not know that. Thank you for enlightening me. And I think being open to learning and not being afraid to say, wow, I'm sorry. And as elected officials, for a lot, I mean, I would just say for a lot of people, it's hard to say those words um, because as a, elected officials, we speak in absolutes. This will never happen again. We will not raise taxes or this will always be a left-hand turn lane or we will not blah, blah, blah. So one of the first trainings that I took during the pandemic, I had gotten uh, accepted into the Harvard Bloomberg mayor's cohort. It was 60 mayors and we were all going to be going to New York and having this really cool time and then the pandemic hit, right? So we're like, yay, virtual. But it was the best thing for me because, you know, as we were transitioning to online and distance learning, engaging with the community on the T3, testing, tracing, treatment with the county and our firefighters, one of the first um, classes or the speakers that they had was um, uh, a doctor from John Hopkins. And basically he said it in, and, and it stayed with me, you as elected officials need to be forgiving of yourselves. And I thought, Okay, tell me more, because I'll forgive myself, but I don't know what I'm forgiving myself for, because I'm elected official, you know, what do I have to forgive myself for? He says, an illness, a disease, this pandemic does not care what racial background, what your economic status is, it is going to attack everyone and anyone, so you need to try to prepare yourselves, but if you're moving in one direction, and you have to stop and pivot, Give yourself the flexibility to do that. And that stuck with me because sometimes we're so focused on moving forward and everything has to be solved before we go and hit the next step that it's okay to have to backtrack. So for me, when it was mask on, mask off, six foot distance, no six foot distance, businesses open, not businesses open. To me, 
it was okay. And I tried to communicate that to my community that a pandemic, you know, may provide those, you know, stop and go points and we need you to be flexible. And in trying to convey that, you know, there were people who said, not only no, but hell no. Um, I'm going to do what I want. This is a democracy and I can choose to do what I want. Um, and that, okay, is true. <laughs> However, you know, as elected officials, you know, when we try to do what's best interest for the greater good, um, we don't do it out of spite. We don't do it because we're mean. We really want to see everybody succeed and stay healthy. And, you know, it's been that trial and error. So I think those were the words that allowed me to say and to already kind of foresee there were going to be steps back that we had to take. And so when I shared it with my staff, okay, where are we at here? Are we here? No. Okay. So do we need to backtrack? And it was, it was good. And it was humbling um, to have to ask my constituency, you know, Hey, work with us because there was, you know, um, one time where we had so many vaccines and we did a fabulous job of recruiting everybody to come out. And I'm out there, you know, working the line. Thank you all for being here. It was a hot day. And people were like, why am I waiting here? You know, I'm sorry. This is the first time that we're doing it like this. And having to share, hey, I'm, I'm working right alongside you. I know it's frustrating, but we have a bathroom. I can bring you some water, you know, make it as accommodating as possible. But knowing that everybody too was going through it um, at various levels and just having that sympathy and empathy um, with others that they may or may not have with me because I am the elected official and they think <laughs> of, you know, uh, and, you know, at a, at a different level maybe, but I'm so human, just like you. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I have a, I have a lightning round for you. It's just a bunch of random questions to get to know you better. The first one is cool. what's your favorite movie? Uh, League of Their Own, or oh, I would say, and or The Sandlot. I love that. I love both of those movies. I have to say that's very on brand for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your favorite food? Uh, I'd say ceviche or aguachile. Awesome. What is your biggest fear or do you have a phobia? Uh, zombies. Oh yeah, for I sure. hate zombies. I was... Uh, I know this is a lightning round, but my parents, when they were together, they were watching Return of the Living Dead or Night of the Living Dead. And they said, all the kids out. And I just happened to peek over when one scene was the girl was eating the boyfriend's brains or something. <laughs> and ever since I've had like, you know, when it gets really bad, like zombie dreams, I'm like, oh my yes. God, no, thank you. So zombies, I hate zombies. I can relate. I started watching The Walking Dead and then I started like looking at every situation. Like what if zombies came? So do, do you have like a zombie contingency plan? Do you know what you would do if there was an outbreak? Can you share a little bit? I know you don't want to give away your good spots or whatever. You know, but. Uh, you always have to be prepared. You always have to have your emergency pack. And, you know, I've thought, you know, hey, what about this spot? Do I have enough oxygen in this, 
space if I'm gonna, you know, had have I had to get out, what weapons would I use? You know, oh yeah. <laughs> I read it was World War Z, I forgot the author, but it had a few tips that were so smart. So the first thing was like you don't want to have a car because cars are not many people know how to fix them and they run out of gas. They're like, you actually want a bicycle because they're powered by fear. And I was like, that's very smart. The other thing they're saying is like you want like tools, like a hammer is a weapon. You know, you don't want the samurai sword you got at the swap meet. That's not going to help you. You want a well-made tool. And the final thing was like, you need water purification tablets, not water because it's heavy to carry. So anyway, I'm with you. I don't like zombies. I'm ready. (laughs) There you go. Well, we are now prepared and prepared your listeners with those top three points. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Okay. So what is your dream vacation? I would say sitting on the beach in Hawaii. My husband and I went to Hawaii for our honeymoon. And after the week that we were there, we actually started looking for jobs because it was just amazing. And the only job, my husband's a teacher, the only job that was available was a sign language uh, a teacher. And the sign language that we both know is not appropriate to be a teacher. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, he, he decided, no, we're we weren't ready to come home. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe there's a retirement there in your future. Who knows? Um, What is the best advice you've ever gotten? Hmm. Be yourself. And um, you may not be everybody's cup of tea. And that's okay. Powerful advice. What, what's your, what's on your bucket list? What's something that you absolutely want to do in your life that you haven't done yet? Hmm. I would like to buy a lowrider. Nice. And fix it up myself. Tell me more. Earlier. Yeah. Um. I. I mean, it's part of our culture here and the Chicano movement as well. Um. But I've never been a car kind of girl. I have a Prius, and you know, yeah. So the the whole, you know, um, dolling things up and making it my own would be so cool. Uh, but it takes time and years. So bucket list, probably get a low rider. Um, you know, I want to, I don't know. I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of little things. I don't want to go skydiving. I hate heights. Um, <laughs> I had uh, mole madre in Mexico, which is a mole made from uh, the base of a mole um, that is like years old and it actually tells you and just having had that um like this just the palate you know the inspiration just really feeling the food it actually has inspired me to like close my eyes and think about how food is made or the love and the passion that you know when you finally sit down and enjoy a meal and I'm not talking about fast food I'm not talking about you know, just quickly getting something. But when you go and you sit down and enjoy a meal, maybe it's with your grandma or your, you know, family members, um, but being able to relive those memories and that memory, to be able to do that again, I would love to be able to share that with my family because it really brought me back to just the smells and the sights of my grandmother's house here four blocks away. And since she passed two months ago, um, actually now three three months ago, um, it's like I I feel it like it's I literally I you know just tasting it, um, 
And those really are things that I would love to relive. I'm so sorry to hear that about your grandmother. Yeah, it, was, it was sudden. She had a brain aneurysm. Um, and within an hour, they told us, um, you need to go and say your goodbyes. And we just thought she was just, she felt she had a headache and she was throwing up. You just took her to the hospital and the MRI showed that she had a brain bleed about the size of your palm, right in the part of the brain um, that was all for body function. Um, and that woman, um, my grandmother Rosa was the one who also too taught us about faith and prayer. And she prayed the rosary every day at five o'clock. So the very next day um, they took out the intubation at five o'clock we prayed the rosary and I'm not joking, that woman was praying the rosary with us. And um, it was just a powerful thing because she was walking everywhere. She had a strong heart. So she did not actually pass until 9.30 at night. Wow. So, you know, knowing that I have somebody in my family who was fighting to the very, very end, um, you know, it's so powerful. And these matriarchs, you know, make us who we are. And um, yeah, so it's just knowing, knowing that, but feeling it, and you know, that, like I said, that faith, that there's a higher power that really um, is guiding. And, you know, another bucket list would probably be go see the Vatican. Um, that we've, I have had the opportunity to go to Israel. Um, that was amazing too. Um, so, you know, just recreating it with family I think would be amazing. Thank you for sharing that story with me. I want to ask, um, you know, what's something that you'll do to, to honor her? You know, what's something that you do that will always remind you of her? Hmm. I guess just being the best person. Um, and I think driving in every day, again, being the proximity of where her house is, you know, a couple blocks away, Every time I would turn on the street, which is 12th Street, we're on 12th and National City Boulevard here at City Hall, she would always ask me, because she was kind of getting a little dementia in her later years. She'd say, oh, do you still work there? <laughs> and I said, yeah, like, well, I still work there. I run the place. <laughs> I still work there. They still voted me in. She's like, oh, okay. And she was like, that makes me happy. That is so sweet. I can't believe it. I know. And it's just like those little things that knowing too, like again, full circle, my grandmother used to take the bus and the trolley lines everywhere. So being able to see the elders feel their independence again, feel like they could go where they want to go shop, go watch a movie, buy a pair of shoes at Plaza Bonita, whatever. It's like, those are the things that matter. And it just, it, it's it's part of who I am, but why I do what I do. And I, I love it. Again, come back to why I do what I do. Yeah, I think the senior housing uh, concept that you mentioned, I've never heard anything like that. And I mean, it seems like it's it's just sort of ripe to be, um, you know, replicated in other cities. It's a, it's a wonderful idea. Yeah, and, and you know, it's really interesting because um, with the age-friendly initiative, we really want to highlight every um, stage of life that whether you're walking or rolling and rolling can be with a stroller, 
Rolling can be on your skateboard. Rolling can be with the walker. Rolling can be with the a wheelchair. You should have access to certain amenities within a 10 minute community. And, you know, a 10 minute community is financial institutions, entertainment, an open space, your healthcare provider, and your actual home, and a transportation hub. So, you know, when we got the funding for our Frank, our free ride around National City, our first EV, electric vehicle and zero emissions, it was really connecting when we're looking at our route and we're hoping that it connects, we're gonna make it happen, uh, to connect not only our parks from Pepper Park to Kimball Park to our new um, senior and existing senior facilities, and intergenerational facilities all the way down to the transportation hubs and uh, the gate of Naval Base San Diego there on, um, on Main Street. So we really, we're, we're not so um, you know, narrow focused that it can only be a certain way. I think we wanna try new and innovative ways to one lower carbon footprint, but also to get people around. So um, definitely um, a great project with a fabulous um, leverage of resources, both from the state and federal government, our own um, contributions from, um, you know, sales of, of different properties. So, you know, we're really seeing, and hopefully we'll see the fruit of our labor very soon. So this is changing subjects a little, and I hope it's okay, but I wanted to ask you about your style. You have very good style. And especially something I've always found hard to do is like dress professionally and also cool at the same time, but you kind of nail oh. it. So like, how do you do it? What are your tips? Where do you shop? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, uh, I'm flattered, very humbled. Um, but there's some really cool websites. Like I go on retro stage and somebody actually said, um, uh, I, I have a rockabilly style. Yeah, said, really? I can kind of see it. Yeah. And I said, really? And then I looked through my stuff and I'm like, oh, okay, I can see that. But I think it's just trying to change, you know, for me, it's my hair. I've, I've never had my hair this long, first of all. Um, but I think just being able to have my personality kind of come through in that style as well. Um, I like bold colors. Uh, I do like print. And I love my shoes. I definitely got that from both grandmothers. Um, <laughs> love, love, love uh, pops of color. And, you know, the uniqueness, because sometimes, you know, we're, we're expected to just wear or look a certain way. And that's what we're judged on, because that's the first thing that they see. Um, so we have to kind of push past that. And they have to see a little bit of, of me through it. But that's not just going to be the only thing they see. Um, but I love, my, yeah, I, my shoes are, are definitely my signature. You know, I love boots and I love high heels. And my girls know it too. <laughs> well, yeah, you have amazing style. Thank you for sharing your tips. Um, well, thank you for spending so much time with me. I know that we're, we're definitely over time. I want to just ask you one final question, which is, you know, what is your, what is your dream for, San, for San Diego region for national city? You know, you're, you're doing a lot of work to shape this place. How do you want to leave it? Definitely. As my mom taught me better than I found it, you know, cleaner than I found it, uh, with more resources than I found it. Um, and I would say, um, 
making sure that people feel that within my leadership that they found a voice and they found not just through me, but they found their own voice and that their voice was amplified. Um, because like I said, I'm not gonna be the last. So it's those that feel empowered to say, yes, she reflects my core values, but that they also too carry on the legacy of raising the LGBT flag, raising the Juneteenth flag. Uh, next week we'll be raising the Kumeyaay flag whose land we sit on and live on. So it's recognizing that core values and legacies don't just die with the elected official or person in this role, that you are fostering growth, empowerment, and self-acknowledgement of the individual, that they feel so valued and so connected that they come in and do and continue uh, the work. Because if it dies with me, then it's, it's all for naught, you know, and all for naught. You know, and I think we really need to um, continue, you know, to challenge ourselves, um, push the envelope, but be okay with standing still as well. Be okay with the silence and through the Zoom world, you know, it's hard for some people, um, but it's, it's part of our learning and part of our growth. So I think it's all of that and, and just having fun. Uh, being able to, to laugh at things and say, you know what, you're right, my bad. Um, but taking it to heart, reflecting, grow from it, and then move forward. So I think it's all of those elements um, that through my tenure, but also to that our community um, continues to rewrite its narrative in its own voice so that others really and truly see who we in National City are and we'll continue to grow into very positive, uh, very humble, very dedicated working class families ready to make a difference. Thanks again for listening to Name Drop San Diego. Please leave a review. And if you have an idea of who I should talk to next, let me know. I'm at christy.totten at sduniontribune.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-Y dot T-O-T-T-E-N at S-D Union Tribune. Thanks for listening.